With me this morning, international psychologist Dr. Angela Bass. Good morning, Dr. Angela. Good morning, Shaz. Okay, so it's Mental Health Awareness Week. The theme for this year is body image and how we think about our bodies, how we feel about our bodies. Dr. Angela, what do you think um, could be the main causes of people being unhappy about how they look? I think generally, I mean, as long as there's been people around, there is a natural tendency to compare and it's what I call the sort of compare and despair phenomenon. But notice when I say natural, that is not to be taken for it's okay. Mm. It might be an instinct to look and see and compare, but then we have to ask ourselves how healthy that is. So, I mean, as long as somebody else is in front of you, you might compare. But I think what's happening these days is because of the proliferation of social media and everything is a click away digitally, we have unprecedented access to information and images. We are bombarded. I mean, one study showed that we see about 10,000 images a day. So whether it's billboards, hoardings, you're scrolling, you see an advertisement in your newsfeed and that's not relaxing that you know somewhere Mm. cognitively your brain is trying to process that so when we look at whatever people are doing uh you know it can be like look at their holiday uh look at what they're wearing look at where they're invited and also body all right and we're not just talking about you know looks we're talking about articles with regards to how health is skewed like you know thinner is more healthy and things like that yeah so how would you say you know body image issues today differ from perhaps those of a generation ago well i think the messaging is is confusing. I mean, on the one hand, you'll take a magazine that says, you know, be thin, exercise. And then, you know, in the middle of the magazine is like five recipes for desserts. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the messaging is a bit um, confusing, but it also depends on the cultural context in which you live. So, you know, in Africa, being big boned is considered very attractive. A size zero Cape Moss would be viewed as, you know, in, in Africa, like, are you not being well fed by your family? What's mm. What's going on? Whereas a size zero maybe in London is seen as ideal. Um, So it's almost kind of like the psychology of you want what you can't have or the grass is always greener on the other side. But it's like what I like to tell my clients, the grass is greener wherever you water it. All right. So make sure you water that grass, Mm i.e. yourself, yeah? And your self-image. Coming up, when do you know your body image issues require attention? That's coming up after Celine Dion on Light. On Mind Matters today, Dr. Angela Bass. Now we're talking about body issues. When do you know that your body image issues require attention? I mean, there's sort of a couple of factors at least. One is you want to be asking yourself, is this really how I feel or think about my body? Or is it sort of an internalized misogyny or maybe ideas uh, sort of circumscribed by patriarchal ideals of beauty. I mean, is it an internalized media message that women need to be a certain skin color, height, weight? Number one, ask yourself. Number two, is there almost an obsessive compulsion to look at yourself, look at mirrors, look at your reflection? Or conversely, cannot stand the sight of yourself in Mm -hmm. a mirror, so you avoid them at all costs or you cover them. Um, Number three, a lot of times body image issues go hand in hand with eating uh, issues. So, you know, is there or Orthorexia, which is, you know, an almost an obsessive need for healthy eating. Are you fatigued? A lot of indicators. And then, you know, the first step is acknowledging those feelings mm-hmm. and 
not repressing them. The second step that's very necessary is getting help for it. It's not going to go away on its own. Well, for a lot of people, especially women who obsessed about everything that they will put in their mouths, mm. I mean, this obviously can be a debilitating thing. It's at this point, you know, you've got an issue, don't you? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, you want balance. It's good to be mindful of what you're eating. You know, you don't want to mindlessly be eating crisp and chips all the time. But if every single ounce and every single thing is controlled and counted, then on some level, we can argue that there's not an enjoyment of food. It's very regimented. And then that can become an area of concern. Right. Now, how can we help the people around us who might have body image issues, perhaps our partners, our close friends, even our children? Well, I mean, like we spoke about, there's some of the signs to look out for is your loved one really being excessively maybe critical of themselves or feeling fatigued or tired. You know, you can see things, whereas maybe normally someone might look into a compact or, you know, a compact mirror or in the bathroom if, if they're avoiding at all costs. You know, these are all signs. But another way that body image distortions are formed is that, you know, early on in life, a caretaker, a coach has said something like, you know, lose a little weight or mm. comments. And then that becomes deeply internalized, you know, so you might want to be on the lookout for what is the family environment? Do you have an aunt and uncle or something like that? That is or constant, parent, of yeah. course, mm. with, I mean, or a sibling even constantly commenting on what you weigh, how you look, because then they internalize a message that in order to be successful, happy or Accepted, I just need to lose weight. And even if they lose said weight, this is where the distortion kicks in. They mm. never feel like that's enough. Right. Okay. Well, we come back. Um, that there's a worrying trend in Malaysia when it comes to our qualifications. Fake degrees are on the rise. And uh, this is something we want to discuss with Dr. Angela next here on Light. This is a light breakfast with Shaz and on My Matters, Dr. Angela Bass, international psychologist. Now, an estimated one in 20 potential hires in Malaysia have fake qualifications, while one in 10 has credentials from unaccredited institutions. This is what a corporate fraud investigation agency has found. This is a worrying trend in Malaysia. Dr. Angela, what can we do, you know, once we start feeling that we need to do whatever it takes to impress someone, be it future employers? people we associate with good and bad? That's a pretty complex question. But I mean, firstly, I would start off with asking yourself, why are you trying to impress someone? Is it a arbitrarily constructed sort of social more where abstractly people have decided, let's say, getting married at a certain age is success, getting into certain names of schools success, being, you know, in a typical Asian context, lawyer, doctor, engineer is a definition of success. You know, once we can ask ourselves these questions, instead of blindly following, then it would follow naturally that we wouldn't be so desperate to maybe take the steps of getting sort of a fake diploma to try to meet these ideals. Imagine if we had a society that was like, you know, you are uh, valuable. You, whatever you contribute, you're accepted. So there, there's that psychological aspect of, you know, why people are driven in one way to do these things. But definitely on the other side of things, it needs to be much more regulated. So much to say Absolutely, about that. Absolutely, yes. You know, to change perception, especially in the Asian context where you're right. I mean, if your child is a doctor, lawyer, engineer, wow, he's had it made, she has it made, and you as a family can be super proud. How do we change that? That, you know, regular, like even a quote-unquote 
a mediocre life can be something that's celebrated and successful. The thing is, like, again, what is mediocre? When, when I speak with clients, I think it's imperative that you take sort of Warren Buffett's investment strategy of the long game, long term. You can have that short term success of, look, I have this title, I have this mantle, I have this obtained this educational degree from so-and-so university, but life can catch up with you, right? It's, so to speak, housewife who has a heart of gold that is invaluable to her neighbors, that's, you know, that's in love with being a mom. How is that mediocre? You know, being mindful teaches you that even washing the dishes and being present and feeling the soap suds in the water is extraordinary. To be alive is extraordinary. Where did we go so wrong that everything's based on conditional acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. If you get this exam score, great, I approve. You know, in psychology, we know dislike maybe certain behaviors, but not the person. So I always tell the client and any person in front of me that you are so worth it and amazing. And I literally mean that precisely because you're alive. So I think there needs to be a paradigm shift and that can happen one person at a time. All right. Coming up, we address uh, some of the risks involved in having a fake diploma or degree that's up next here on Light. International psychologist Dr. Angela Bass with me on Mind Matters. Now we're talking about fake degrees, which is becoming a worrying trend in Malaysia. What are some of the, the worst case scenarios, the bad consequences of actually having a fake degree we, we were addressing earlier? Death, yeah, literally and metaphorically. So, uh, for example, there have been cases, let's say veterinarian doctors, they're not doctors, they're, they were assistants, and then they opened up their own clinic and were doing surgeries on pets. So you can imagine how wrong that could go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anybody, any listener would be comfortable going to a doctor that only, for example, finished half of med school. So similarly, I don't think most Malaysians know this, but the word psychologist is a protected title. Anywhere else uh, abroad, you have to have a PhD in order to call yourself a psychologist. I've spoken with clients who have been to a, so to speak, therapist before that had only an undergraduate degree. Mm-hmm. And imagine if there's a couple trying to work on their marriage or save their marriage, trying to maybe avoid divorce, let's say. You're taking someone's minds and hearts in your hands and, and you're not trained whatsoever. And I think one of the things that's stopping us from doing something is that the, the cultural context in Malaysia. So I've spoken to a lot of clients who have felt like something's wrong with their previous therapist or their doctor, but they've been raised in an environment where doctors are God. Yeah. So that's the first so thing. you don't I, question the degree. They don't the question diploma. that because a lot of doctors and especially male doctors, operate from an idea like an older generation that I am the authority figure, all powerful, you know, it's next to God. Whereas I rubbish that. Mm -hmm. The new way of practicing health and medicine is a bi-directional process. I learn as much from my clients as hopefully they do from me, and they should be empowered to have a voice. So if you feel something's wrong, report it. Okay, so in the context of psychology, mm-hmm. in, if you want to find um, a psychologist, mm-hmm. a real one, <laughs> how would you go about this? Is there a listing? Just so you know that, you know, who you're seeing is bona fide a psychologist. Yes. I mean, first of all, you have the right as a patient or as a client to ask to see their diplomas or certificates. I bet that hasn't crossed most people's minds. Mm-hmm. Abroad, it's very standard practice to actually hang those certificates and diplomas on your wall. Um, there is a regulatory body where you have a registration number abroad. In terms of psychology, that's still in the process of being regulated, but the Malaysian uh, Psychological Association, the Malaysian Counseling Association, they are very friendly and helpful. You can get in touch with them and they'll be able to point you 
in the right direction and you know sort of which practitioners to avoid that have been dogged by sort of controversy all right when we come back a new royal baby has been born and uh, we're going to take a look at how putting a child in the public eye can affect them that's coming up after Cindy Lauper also the BG's on light. A royal baby has been born and uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry have been, you know, absolutely overjoyed with this, but they did things a little bit differently where Prince William and Kate, um, you know, showed up on the doorstep of their hospital within hours, you know, and Kate all decked out, hair blown dry and wearing high heels and pearls. Uh, Meghan is still yet to be seen anywhere <laughs> on social media or How even very, in public. very natural and yes, normal. <laughs> yes, it is pretty normal. And I guess they have different priorities when it comes to their children and their their newborn. Uh, let's take a look at, you know, putting your child in the public eye. How will this affect them? Even though, you know, people can say, well, you know, it's an infant, it's a baby, it's a toddler. They don't really have to worry about this now. No such thing. You know, right now we're seeing studies of adolescents that are really upset with their moms and dads because they were born when social media, you know, started taking off. So let's say like around maybe Facebook or something to 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. And so now they're of age and they're very upset with their parents for putting all sorts of photos of them on the internet of, you know, learning to go to the bathroom, um, you know, all kinds of mishaps, you know, learning how to eat food. In other words, embarrassing photos. When people say it doesn't matter, when you thrust your child into the spotlight, purposely or inadvertently, the exposure is of a magnitude and amplified that people can't imagine. There's no privacy. They're open to the harshest trolls and critiques and that really affects a developing sense and you know let's talk about autonomy for a second there is a celebrity trend or otherwise of people posting their newborn photos uh, photos of their newborn rather in their young children but have we ever thought about asking consent um, I, I think it's a very good idea to have your children be of age where they can say, yes, that's okay, or no, I don't want my photos. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, when you put young people's photos up, uh, again, because your parents are celebrities or the celebrity parents choose to do that, you put them at risk for pedophilia. Yes, and we've seen cases of that here in Malaysia itself. Yeah. So, you know, I guess parents need to be completely they need to rethink. There are consequences, yeah. There are consequences and they need to rethink if that's exploitative mm -hmm. of their children. It can be argued that in this day and age where social media plays a role in marketing, obviously, is, is the thing that they're setting their child up for success because they've got X number of followers already, you know, yeah. from a young age. I know that a lot of celebrity parents do this. But again, you have to ask yourself, who's setting that parameter of success? Is that this generation's answer to what our parents said about the only way you're successful is doctor, lawyer, engineer? Mm. Maybe your child and you have no idea they're an infant they haven't even formed a personality maybe they want to go on to be an anonymous Pulitzer Prize winning poet but now you've put everything out there right. this is where consent comes in even when they're four or five they have the cognitive ability to somewhat have a handle on it but imagine mm -hmm. if your ultrasounds are on Instagram yeah so so what are you going to maximize and exploit or use for benefits of numbers and l just speaking of numbers remember that Hitler had five million followers and Jesus had 12 so it's not about the number wow that's definitely food for thought this Wednesday morning thank you so much Dr. Angela my pleasure of course um, this will be up on our podcast a little later on at light.my 